Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. I wanted to discuss the beginning of Bamidbar, and as you'll see at the top of this sheet, it says Beitenu Shabbat Bamidbar 2021. Um, so this is part of a teaching. I took verses from um, whether it was the Torah or commentaries on the verse, um, and then I wove it into something that, that Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs had written. So I thought that we would do that a little bit today. You'll get to see traditional texts, and then you'll also get to hear his commentary as well. Um, unfortunately, because we're being live streamed, I, I'm going to keep the microphone here. But if you choose to speak, I will um, repeat what you have said, and I hope that you will uh, participate for others to be able to hear. So we're going to look at the first verse of the of the of this book, of the fourth book of Torah. And it says, So first of all, we're already dealing with concentric circles almost, right? So God speaks to Moshe. Bamidbar Sinai. Remember that a midbar is not the desert, even though that's often how we um, translate it. A, a midbar is just an unknown place, like a wilderness. So the midbar, called Sinai in this particular case, is just a wilderness in the Sinai, what we now know of as the Sinai Desert. So a midbar is an unknown space not demarcated by anything that you would be able to say, oh, it's a desert or, oh, it's a valley or, oh, it's, I don't know, a mountain range, right? It's it's just a midbar. It's just an open space. So God spoke to, Mo- to Moshe in this wilderness of Sinai, so in this unknown kind of undefined space, but also in the tent of meeting, which is actually very specific, right? And, and a place that God was speaking to Moshe quite often. Um, so in the first, um, uh, uh, just lost my place, sorry. Okay. In the first day on the second month, of the year and the second year. Okay. Which is really, really, really hard to follow. Um, but it, what they're talking about is the second year uh, from the Exodus. So two years after the Exodus happened on the first day of that second month. So back in the day, we used to calculate months based off of Nisan being the first of the month. So Nisan and then ER would be the second month. So this is the first day of ER, the second year after the exodus happened. Um, you are going to take a census. You are going to literally count the entire community of, of B'nai Israel, of the children of Israel. So we can talk about what that might mean, but for their families or according to their families, Levate Avotam according to um, the house of their parents, of their fathers, bemispar shemot kol zachar legul gelotam. So in the, um, in the number of their names, or the translation here says listing the names of every boy, kol zachar, 
Legulgelotam, um, and according to their household, right? Head by head is what it's translated to as here. So what are the specifics of this census? What, it, what is this census trying to tell us to, to count by or count for? Okay, every male. Sorry, what did you say? So, it, so this one isn't specific to military, but you're right that the census that we had beforehand was specific to military. It was 21 and over and very militaristic. This one doesn't happen to make it as um, specific to that, but you're right that often in the military, there were those types of, of countings. What else is very specific here? Okay, great. So it's by clans and it's also by name. Great. So name of household, right? So it wouldn't be by like, it wouldn't be Rebecca or Joey or Gary. It would be the Schatz family, right? It would be the Backrack family. It wouldn't be um, specific to first name. It was clan name, right? So it's interesting that it's by male, but then it also says by household. Why is that interesting? Okay. Households do have both men and women sometimes. Um, But why, why? Yeah. Why else? Tribal. Okay. So tribal. Um, great. Very good. So tribally, we would think of men as the head of those households because men could be married to many different women, but women could only be married to one man. If you have questions about that, we can talk about it another time. I'm just going to leave that statement there. But that's why it says every male, right? Because if you are going to count by household, it's possible that a man was part of many different households, but he probably wasn't part of many different tribes. That makes sense? Okay. In today's day, that would, that would be probably frowned upon, frowned upon, but, um, but only in our society. There are other societies where that's still okay. All right. So any other questions on this particular verse from Bamidbar? This is how Bamidbar starts, right? This is how the fourth book of the Torah opens up. It says, take accounting of all these men of these different tribes See ya. Okay, why do we count, by the way? That's a really important question I didn't ask yet. You're all part of a minion. Why do you think we count? Yeah, to know how many people there are, but why else? Order. Okay, good. You know who's there, right? If you're, t- if you're counting, you know who's, who's part of it. Has anybody ever been a camp counselor? Okay, great. When you're a camp counselor, at least when I was a camp counselor, you are constantly counting, right? You get to one thing, one, two, three, four, five. When you get to another thing, seven, eight, nine, ten, right? You you know that you have a group of people by counting to make sure they're all there. Rosa and Gary know that on this last trip that we went on to the Balkans, all 38 people on the bus had a number. They were terrible at it, but they all knew that when we counted off, they were supposed to say their number. So... Even adults are terrible at counting, but that is why you do accounting, right? You want to make sure that everybody's there. So part of the reason that Bamidbar starts this way is because once we went through the Exodus, there is this sense of wanting to know who's involved, who's there, who should we be um, accountable for and responsible for. And as many of you know, census still happens in today's day, right? You fill out a form, you talk about where you live and who you are, et cetera, who's in your household. The census is still a thing that's going on. This is not just an ancient practice, but it started once upon a time where there wasn't addresses and and email addresses and those kinds of things like we have today as a way of holding people accountable. So Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs says, in any census, count or roll call, there is a tendency to focus on the total. 
right? When we would do the roll call in the Balkans, we would want to make sure that all 38 people were there. Did we care that number four and that number 34 were there? Yes, of course. But we also wanted to make sure that everybody was there because if number four didn't say here, we had to wait for them. We never knew who was number four. I don't even remember. But whoever number four was, we wanted to make sure they were there too, but we were worried about the entirety of the group being there. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So in today's day... Right. So what Rose is pointing out is in today's day, part of the reason that we have a census is to make sure that we have enough per capita of things that are necessary, hospitals, probably prisons, right? All the different things that you need to to keep a society running, um, police people, fire people, right? To make sure that um, per capita, those, those um, areas are taken care of. Okay, so Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs continues. He says, there's a tendency to focus on the total, the crowd, the multitude, the mass. Here is a nation of 60 million people or a company with 100,000 employees or a sports crowd of 60,000, right? Have you ever been to Shul where someone didn't say how many people were there? Right, we're so focused on numbers and how many people were there. This morning, we probably had 30 people in the sanctuary. It was a very small crowd. Half of our community is at Camp Ramah in Ojai right now for our Shabbaton. We knew we were going to have a small crowd. It was still a beautiful service, but people care how many people there were there. Right? It could have been a beautiful service with five people. It could have been a horrendous service with 300 people. Right? So it doesn't actually matter how many people were there. It matters the experience. But what Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs is pointing out is that as humans, we care about those numbers. We care about what it looks like to have a multitude. Any total tends to value the group or nation as a whole. The larger the total, the stronger the army, the more popular the team, and the more successful the company. Right? Google has a gazillion employees. Yeah. Right? Temple Beth Am has a hundred employees. Does that mean that we probably have more than that, but I'm just rounding. Does that mean that Temple Beth Am is a worse company than Google? No. No. Just means that Temple Beth Am is, thank goodness Temple Beth Am is not that big. I probably wouldn't work here, but you don't want to have a shul that is that size. Right? Google, though, needs to be that size. But what Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs is pointing out is that too often we focus on that number as being good or bad based on whether it's big or small. Right? But that's not actually the point of a census. The point of a census is to know who's there so that we can be accountable to those people. Okay. So, exactly, exactly. So, okay, so this is what Rashi says on the exact same verse, okay? So Rashi's a commentator. This is what he's saying on the exact same verse. Because they were dear to God, right? The reason that there was a census is because the people were dear to God, and so we needed to count them. We need to make sure we knew who they were because they were dear to God. God counts them every hour. When they went forth from Egypt, God counted them. When many of them fell in consequence of their having worshipped the golden calf, God counted them. When God was about to make her Shekhinah dwell amongst them, God again counted them. Right? So Rashi is pointing out, is very much so commenting, right? Creating a drash on these moments of counting by saying any moment that God wanted to show the people that the people were dear to God, God counted them. Not in a way that made it seem like we need more versus less, but just, oh, I know I'm supposed to have this many. 
And so I'm going to count to make sure I have that many. If you've ever watched a kid play with their toys, the first thing they do is take them all out to make sure that everything is there. Right? That's not to make a mess so that their parents have to clean it up, though I'm sure that that's what most parents think. It's actually so that the kids can understand if everything that they're expecting to be there is there. Right? So when they pour out their Legos or whatever it might be, you have no idea what they're looking for. It might be that very little, tiny little man that comes with all those <laughs> Lego pieces. Right? But what whatever they're looking for, if that's not present then they feel like something's missing. So too, when God was building a tabernacle or when a a tabernacle was being built for God or when God was having to tell the people important things about the covenant, making sure that all the people were there was extremely important. Okay. So Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs says, a significance of one remarkable feature of Judaism is principled insistence like no other civilization before on the dignity and integrity of the individual. We believe that every human being was created in the image and likeness of God. The sages said that every life is like an entire universe. Maimonides wrote that each of us should see ourselves as if our next act could change the fate of the world. Every dissenting view is carefully recorded in the Mishnah, even if the law is otherwise. Every verse of the Torah is capable, said the sages, Of 70 interpretations, no voice, no view is silenced. Judaism never allows us to lose our individuality in the mass. So on a very basic level, though, he's saying something much deeper than I'm going to kind of condense it down to. On a very basic level, even the the smallest of voices, even the minority, is mentioned, is counted, is noticed by God, whether it's in Torah or in the way that our rabbis teach Torah after the Torah was given to us. And so what Rabbi Jonathan Sachs is saying based off of Rashi is that this is why the census was important because even the smallest of children or even the most disabled of people was needed for that community to be the community that they were, right? There are other parts of our Torah that say only count the men or only count those without blemish, whether it's animals or humans right? That is not what this census is saying. This census is saying, count everybody who is there so that we know who would be responsible for. Any thoughts on this before we keep going? Irv? (laughs) Irv likes it. Okay. Okay. So in Brachot, in the Talmud, it says, the sages taught in a Tosefta, one who sees multitudes of Israel, meaning people who are Jewish, recites, blessed are you who knows all secrets. Why is this? He sees a whole nation whose minds are unlike each other and whose faces are unlike each other. And God who knows all secrets, God knows who is what is in each of their hearts. The Gemara relates, Ben Zoma once saw a multitude of Israel while standing on a stair of the Temple Mount. He immediately recited, blessed who knows all secrets and blessed who created all these to serve me. What do you think that says about a census? Or what does that say about creating community? Yeah, Gary. Okay, so everyone counts and everyone is valuable no matter what they are or who they are. What's the thing that is the common denominator here? Sorry? Okay, they're all Israelites. And therefore, if we we go to the passage before, we're all made in God's image. Right? We're all made in God's image. But then what does the Talmud break down for us? 
We might all be made in God's image, but we all look different. We all have different minds. We all think differently. We all have different things in our hearts. And even if God knows what those differences are, God still sees us all as one community to take care of. Great. Great. So just like God is responsible for us in that census, we too are then responsible for each other. Okay. Turn the page over. So God tells Moses to lift people's heads by showing that they each count. They matter as individuals. Indeed, in Jewish law, a devar shebaminyan, something that is counted, sold individually rather than by weight, is never nullified even in a mixture of a thousand or a million others. In Judaism, taking a census must always be done in such a way as to signal that we are valued as individuals. We each have unique gifts. There is a contribution only I can bring. To lift someone's head means to show them favor, to recognize them. It is a gesture of love. So even if all of these people needed to be counted, and we only consider the Israelite community to be one that is all together based off of this census, so too is it our job to lift everybody up, right? To lift their faces up, to make sure that people feel recognized, that people feel like they matter because of who they are, because of how individual they are, what they have to offer, what their gift is. So I added here the priestly blessing, right? Which we we often don't think of when we're thinking of a group of, of people. We often think of this as a very individualized experience um, and blessing. But it says, May God bless you and may God guard you. May God's face light up towards you and bring you grace. May God's face lift up towards you and grant you peace. The reason I brought this is because very often we think we translate this as God, as our face being lifted up towards God, right? Because society has taught us that God is up there and we are down here. But in fact, and by the way, for those of you who are curious as to why, very often it's because when you think about um, iconography or um, or the way in which deities are are um, illustrated or perceived in different houses of worship, where is God typically? Above, right? On the ceiling. So when you think about, I was thinking about this when we were in the Balkans, actually, when we think about why, why do kids, even at a very young age, think of God as up? Because we talk about God is in the heavens. And when you see pictures of God, it's God is up and we are down, right? But in Judaism, we actually don't think about God in that way at all. We think of God as very much amongst us. And that's why we're supposed to teach Torah at a table, because if you just eat, it's as if God can't dwell amongst you. You have to teach some kind of Torah to be part of that. But hold on, I'm going to finish my sentence. But this idea here of Yisa Adonai Panave Lecha, it's actually saying that God's face should lift up towards you. So whether you believe that God's face is literally below yours or that in looking to someone else who you are blessing, their face should look up towards yours. And because we are made in God's image, therefore God's face is lifting towards us. This is a really interesting way of thinking about what Rabbi Sachs was saying, that we need to include ourselves and those who we care about as people whose faces need to be lifted 
And then God's face lifts towards us as we do that for other people. Yes, Rosa? Sure, sure. Directionality is always easier. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I think that in general, we it is easier for us to think of God as somewhere above us because we think of above as higher and more powerful than below. Right. Again, that's uh, someone who's a sociologist can look more into that than, than I can, but that it makes sense that Theodore Bakel thought, well, okay, well, I'm going to do this show where I'm talking to God constantly. I'm going to look up because that made the most sense. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So I'm going to read this last passage from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs and then we can close this out. A Jewish leader has to respect individuals. They must lift their heads meaning the leader should lift the the individual's heads. If you seek to lead, however small or large the group you lead, you must always communicate the value you place on everyone. It is hard to lead a nation of individuals, but this is the most challenging, empowering, inspiring leadership of all. So what Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs is trying to teach us about the census here is that sure, we might have just counted everybody, right? We might have made sure that all the clans were there and that all the men were there and that all the heads of households were there. That's important for sure. But what he's getting at is that all the more important for Moshe, for God, later for Joshua, to be counting all these people because then they feel like they matter, right? If number four on the trip to the Balkans wasn't there and we left without them, they would have felt like they didn't matter. So we didn't just do the counting because we wanted to make sure that whole group was there. We did it because we wanted to make sure that each individual felt like they were important enough to us and to the other people on the group that we were going to make sure that everyone was there and that we were, we were responsible for them. So in leadership, we have to make sure to not just look at how many people were at shul today. But did I talk to the individuals? Did I make sure to touch someone who was in a moment of crisis and came to shul because they needed that consolation? Right? What did I do to make sure the individuals felt met by the experience, not just the whole group? There are many shuls, and I'm sure churches, and I'm sure mosques, that have very large services. And they're great. And there, there are lots of people who go because they're big. But if the individuals don't feel like they were touched by their leadership, by the prayer, by the spiritual experience, then why have services at all? Right? You could just have a very large arena of people doing their own thing, and it's the same thing as shul. So making sure that people who are coming together, large group, small group, whatever, feel that they are working towards something that is a common goal, but that they are individually touched and recognized, that's what Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs is getting at. The census was important. We need to know everybody who is there. But it was more important that individuals were counted so that they knew that we were responsible for them. For sure. For sure. Right. So it's all about representation, right? And being responsible for different people. So I hope that as we're going through the book of Bamidbar, that as we're going through this book of numbers, that we can think about the different ways that we are accountable to our story. And that that also means that we need to take responsibility for the other people and the other stories that we are told in this book to make sure that we carry that on um, as the individuals and not just as the entirety of a nation. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. 
For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.